What more animals were killed in 2019 than any year in human history, right? And so we're going the wrong direction. 2018 was second, 2017 was third. And so every year we're killing more and more animals than we've ever killed on, in the planet's history. Uh, and us all like going and eating like a nice burger or like a nice like pizza that didn't involve any violence is like fucking important and good, but it's, that's, not, that's not the right track. Again, what we need is people actively working to demand change, shift public consciousness, and get to the point where uh, these kind of changes become in inevitable. Well, 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 do I have an episode for you. I'm currently sitting here with the Nico of Animal Rights <laughs> and we have had a few so bear with us hi nico what's up jamie nice to be on i really gotta give you the proper introduction but i just don't know if i can formulate my thoughts correctly mm -hmm. um but guys nico is one of the most inspirational activists that i know he is going to be going to law school either he got into berkeley but he might be going to yale or harvard for animal rights specifically really trying to make meat illegal these days. Um, sure knows that we need that. You know, the world knows that we need that. So why don't we kind of just like go into like your upbringing, how you went vegan and um, where you're at now and just kind of like introduce yourself. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on, Jamie. It's nice chatting with you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I grew up in Colorado in a small like mountain town, uh, super, super conservative town. Uh, and growing up, I had never heard of like the word vegan or veganism. Uh, I didn't hear about it until freshman year of college. Uh, and yeah, when I learned about it in freshman year, um, I went vegan shortly after. Uh, and yeah, I've been vegan ever since. Uh, my, have you? I, yeah, I have. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> my, so my first few years of veganism, uh, it was always like a personal thing. Um, you know, like I didn't, I was like, I think a big part of it was thinking that I had lived the first 18 years of my life not being vegan. And I felt weird, like telling other people that they were wrong. Um, and I mean, I, I've obviously changed my mind since, but so, so yeah. And for the first few years I was always like vegan. It was always important to me, but I didn't talk to people about it unless they, unless they brought it up. Uh, but I got very involved in climate justice. Uh, I was working with or working for Greenpeace uh, and a group called 350.org. Um, did that for a while. Watched a documentary called Cowspiracy, uh, which raised some really serious questions about Greenpeace and uh, basically the environmental movement failing to address the role of animal agriculture and climate breakdown and other environmental issues. So that galvanized me to, to start asking some questions and eventually pushed me towards like animal rights. Um, I started Peace Corps at the beginning of 2017. Um, and I moved to Nicaragua in Central America. And it was during the beginning of my service there where uh, my commitment towards animal rights in particular really like reified and became central. 
it's a longer story, but I'll, I guess I'll leave it at that. And then, so, so yeah, so 20, so 20, beginning 2013 is when I went vegan. Beginning of 2017 is when I started doing animal rights activism pretty full time. 2018, I moved to Colombia in Medellin, uh, and I was working full time as an animal rights activist, um, primarily with DXE uh, and the SAVE movement. And then I began my master's degree in New York in a program called Animal Studies, uh, which is basically, uh, my focus was uh, animal rights, philosophy, law, and policy. Mm-hmm. And I finished that program, I guess I'm finishing it this month, uh, and I'm moving to Berkeley next week. To do more activism. To do more activism, yeah. So I I don't even know why I didn't mention this in the intro, but guys, this guy has traveled the fucking world. I mean, we're talking Nicaragua, we're talking India. I mean, really, what country haven't you been to? Seriously, not many. (laughs) I've been very fortunate, yeah. Really, And, and so by traveling the world, can you maybe talk about some of your experiences there and what you saw that maybe impacted your activism, your human rights, animal rights, whatever it was? Yeah, totally. So I moved to I moved to India in 20, 2014. Uh, and that was still early on in my veganism. I'd only been vegan for like two years at the time, or like a year and a half, two years. Uh, and when I moved to India, I was thinking like, all right, well, maybe... I still wasn't really... Yeah, I was I was young, I guess, in my activism. And I was like, well, maybe, like, drinking cow's milk in India would be okay. Like, cows are sacred. Like, they'll mm-hmm. be treated. Like, I was, in terms of the humane lie, the humane myth, if anywhere it could exist, it would be in India where cows are sacred. And I immediately got there until that wasn't the case. Like, even in a, even in a culture where cows are revered and held as sacred and it's illegal to kill them, they're still brutalized for their milk. And so seeing that was like I, I guess radicalizing in that sense um and, and you have to also ask what happens to the babies right absolutely you know? and so actually what what happened in the indian context is they would chain they would chain the babies the baby cows the baby cows uh at outside a house um and let the mothers roam the streets and like live throughout the city so cows just live on the roads and the median, like cars drive around them. They live everywhere you, everywhere you go, cows are there. Uh, and they chain the babies to make sure the moms come back. Uh, and then they steal the cows, the mom's milk, which comes back. Um, and what do they feed the babies? Um, it kind of depends on, on the family. Um, so generally, like if, if it's, if it's just like the the local cow, like like for like a small community, then they give the cow some some milk, but mostly it's like just like scraps from the table, uh, and then the industrial setting where most milk's coming from in restaurants is the same as everywhere, and like again, so I mean I've lived, I I've lived in a lot of countries, but traveled to like three dozen and visited slaughterhouses in about a dozen of them, and CAFOs, and regardless of the country, it's it's the same system. Like, unfortunately, the U.S. is the country that began the system. Like, we're the the first country to industrialize uh, animal agriculture. This is interesting. So Ford, uh, the guy who started Ford, um, he got his idea for mass production and for assembly lines by visiting a slaughterhouse in Chicago uh, and seeing disassembly lines and seeing that process there. 
So the whole the whole like basis of industrialization uh, and mass production that is like the call like the Fordian um, revolution began from slaughterhouses. So anyway, the U.S. is the first country to to develop like slaughterhouses and industrial animal ag, and it's in every corner of the world now. Like I lived in I lived in Nicaragua. Uh, it's the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere after Haiti. Uh, and even in that kind of society, in that culture, it's all coming from industrial sources. So, it, I mean, it's everywhere. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's um, no, And no matter where it is, how you do it, it's all wrong. It's all mm-hmm. horrific and, and, and just unnecessary. And being that, so you're a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And so you, I mean, from a young age, even like you were telling me the story of how you first went vegan while we were biking up mm-hmm. here. We went to Double Zero to dinner, guys. If you haven't been there in the Lower East Side, it's amazing. We were biking up and Nico was telling me about how we first went vegan and how he was sitting at dinner with his friend and his friend ordered tofu and he ordered some type of chicken dish and he had just thought to himself he was like why am I eating an animal and why like when I don't need to and when there's like a tofu option and whatnot and so you kind of have always had that like empathy and that like Mm -hmm. empathetic mindset but can you can you maybe talk a little bit about like how that kind of developed yeah yeah. so I get two things I think first off I think every human I think we all have I mean to different levels obviously we have that empathy and that, that compassion. Um, but I, I think um, different people have different levels of, of like motivation to act on them. So that's one thing. I also believe that compassion and love are skills. They're attributes that we can practice and develop. Uh, within like Buddhism and, and Hinduism, their practices are called meta, meta meditation. And it's a practice of developing and like increasing one's capacity to be compassionate with others. So I think we're all born like empathetic individuals, uh, depending on our upbringing that's either like encouraged or discouraged. And throughout our lives, we have the capacity to continue practicing and developing it. Um, I guess I'm going to, a little sidetrack. So the first time I went vegetarian was when I was three. Uh, when I was first old enough, or I guess tall enough to see over uh, into like the meat counter of a grocery store. And I asked my mom uh, what was behind, like, what that was. And she told me, like, basically dead dead animals. Uh, and oh my, That's, like, traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm very fortunate. Like, my mom's always, like, like, told me the truth. Yeah. But, and I don't remember any of this. Like, this is not in my memory, but this is, like, she's, she told me this since become, like, I became... Animal rights. I feel like activists. most parents lie to their kids. Absolutely. Like I did not know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and like, and it's and parents do it because like it's it's uncomfortable a lot too, and also because they've already accepted the lie themselves. You know, so I mean, if you like in a baby's crib, I, I we're bouncing from topic to topic, but in a baby's crib, if you put a peach and a chicken into the crib, the baby's gonna go hug the chicken and eat the peach. Say it louder for my brother who's like in the bathroom right now, like sort of listening. Say it louder. Uh-huh. I mean, so like we're we're born. It's like not like we're born like we love we love animals, right? Uh, and the vast majority of people in the U.S. like love dogs, love cats, uh, and we not think about like killing them and grilling them up. So it's just a matter of what's been like normalized and um, yeah, I guess just like normalized in our society. Um, it's actually really sick. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
And it's a shame. It's like, and, and the thing is, like, all these systems of oppression that we're working to deconstruct, like, all the isms, right? Like, racism, heterosexism. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, they're not normal, right? They're, they're systems of oppression that people in power have created to justify their oppression of other beings. Uh, and the same goes for us consuming animals. Like, it's, it's not normal. Uh, the only reason it seems normal is because of how often it's been done. Uh, but undoubtedly in the future, we're going to be looking back on this, on the, on these, on these centuries and being like, what the fuck? Like, I can't, it's, I mean, I think everyone who's vegan, who's doing this has already made that connection, right? Like we've already made the connection, like what the fuck, like how on earth is this fucking happening? Uh, and I have no doubt that society as a whole in the future is going to be making that same type of connection. And so being that you are one of the people on the front lines and you are one of the people that are going to be going into law and making systematic changes like at the forefront, can you talk about a little bit about maybe the plan that you have for how we are going to achieve animal liberation? Yeah, totally. Uh, so I, I, I believe in a multi-pronged approach and I believe uh, a lot of activists doing a lot of diverse tactics is what we need. Um, but I, I believe personally that we're not going to win. Uh, it's like a majority of society is not going to voluntarily, quote unquote, go vegan. Um, and that's, that's okay. I mean, I guess it is what it is. Uh, we need systemic institutional change to the point where like being vegan is the only option. Um, I mean, I also like vehemently believe, as I think everyone listening to this, that eating animals is not a personal choice. It's not a, it's not a morally neutral personal choice. It's, a, it's an act of violence. So for, as, an, as a quick metaphor, it's like, I believe I have the right to swing my hand wherever the fuck I want to. Is it okay to cuss? Absolutely. All right. I can swing my hand wherever the fuck I want to up until the point where someone's face starts. Right? Like I can like swing my hand around the park all I want, but I can't punch people. Uh, and so my personal choices end where other people's personal freedoms begin. Uh, and the same thing about diet. Like having Italian food be my, like someone's favorite cuisine is a personal choice, but choosing to eat a pasta made with cow flesh and cow milk is not a personal choice. It's an act of violence, and uh, as a society, we should be treating it as such. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, everyone listening to this knows the harm that animal agriculture causes to animals, to the environment, to public health, and to workers' rights. I mean, like, Human Rights Watch um, has named the number one source of human rights violations in the U.S. being in slaughterhouses. Um, I think all four of these issues, like, whether it's animals, whether it's the environment, whether it's public health, like, you look at <laughs> antibiotic resistance, or you look at zoonotic diseases like COVID or Ebola, um, H1N1, etc., um, I mean, all these issues are unjust and don't, they, they don't have, like, they, they, a just society would not tolerate them. Uh, and so I believe the future is going to be a place where animal agriculture does not exist, uh, full stop. And I believe the most pragmatic way and effective way to get about that and, and affect that change, at least in the U.S., is by making the sale of animal products illegal. So I was supposed to begin law school uh, six days ago, uh, <laughs> but I, I pushed off pushed off law school and I'm expanding what my master's thesis was into a book, which is making that case. It's making the case for ending animal agriculture and doing it via banning the sale of animal food products. And I do think, I mean, I think, so basically making it illegal to sell animal products. 
Um, and there's, I mean, I guess I'm writing a fucking book explaining why I think that's the most effective way. But in short, uh, it's, it's a policy I think that could be passed within this decade. It can be passed at the municipal level first uh, and has the power to grow rapidly. And so like, sorry, I'm bouncing all around, Jamie. I'm, but, so, I'm so glad you are. There's just so many things to cover. Please uh-huh. do. All right. So uh, in Cal- California, a few months, I guess a while ago now, like what, nine months ago, ban the sale of fur. Uh, that began uh, at Berkeley and West Hollywood, very progressive districts banning the sale of fur. Then it ex- expanded to San Francisco, then to LA, and then the state. Um, and I believe other states can be following suit. I think New York's probably going to be the next one to do so. Um, and the banning the sale of animal dry food products could happen the exact same way. Progressive cities, progressive municipalities can ban, can ban the sale. Uh, and then um, start expanding from there, normalizing it. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't say this like, how do I say it? I am fully optimistic. I have no doubt that before I die, uh, slaughterhouses will be illegal. Um, animal agriculture will, be, in, at least at the very least, industrial animal agriculture in the United States will be illegal. Uh, for me, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And honestly, if we end animal agriculture one day earlier, that saves millions of lives. And, and so for me, every single day really fucking matters. Every minute matters. Um, honestly, every fucking second matters. Every second, 300 animals are slaughtered mm-hmm. or more than 300. Yeah, it's, 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 it's absurd. It's obscene. And it's, it's devastating. So. Uh, yeah, I have no doubt that we're going to win um, within my lifetime. Honestly, the alternative to us winning is <laughs> pandemics like we've never seen before. It's total climate breakdown. Um, I mean, there's a Leo Tolstoy. There's a great quote from him. He says, as long as there are, uh, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields. Um, we can get deep into the psychology of that. But in short, I don't think like a peaceful society, like a post-war society is possible until slaughterhouses are abolished. Uh, so all these issues, I, I I'm fervently believe, um, will come to a head, and I, I'm optimistic that we're going to win. Uh, it's just a matter of when. Absolutely. And and not only that, it, 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 it's just, you know, we look into the eyes of these creatures mm-hmm. before they are killed, and these poor beings are just born into a life of confinement they are just slaughtered right before them. and i think it's a matter of like you know good people do participate in bad things and i think like the more we can get the awareness out there and the more we can create a society where veganism is not just a like cool hipster trend where it is very like now becoming more mainstream mm-hmm. and i i think in the next five years, everybody's going to know what the word vegan is mm-hmm. because even 10, you know, five to 10 years ago, I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, it wasn't even on my mind, mm-hmm. but I think education is key. We're going to keep pushing this forward. We're going to keep pushing this forward through law, through, um, activism and, you know, and I think us being that we're activists, guys, if you're listening to this and you're vegan, but not yet an activist, this movement needs you mm-hmm. now more than ever. And, you know, if this is the sign, if this is the voice of wisdom or whatever that you need to hear to just get active, whether it's holding a sign, whether it's wearing a shirt, whatever it is, please like do at least something (laughs) because, you know, Nico, why don't you just talk a little bit about your experiences in activism, where you have been arrested? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I just want to... why? I want to just second that point, is that, uh, for me, I, I don't see veganism or being vegan as morally praiseworthy. I see it as a bare minimum. It's like, like, if you're like, I haven't raped or I haven't, like, molested a child in three years, I wouldn't tell you good job. I would be like... Well, I would expect not, and I feel the same way about veganism. It's just a very basic, more basic level of moral decency uh, that I think is required upon all of us. Um, my, we have people coming upstairs. There's a little party going on at my house currently. Let's put this on pause one second, and we're back. So let's try and reorganize our thoughts here. A nice little wine break. Yes. Glass of yes. wine. Now we're back. Cheers to that. All right, fam. I'll see if I can pick up where I left off. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So basically what I was saying was that being a vegan or being eating plant-based, not eating animals is a basic moral requirement. Uh, I don't think it's something that's just like morally praiseworthy. Uh, I feel differently about activism. I also think activism is a basic moral requirement. Um, I think we have a responsibility to resist (laughs) oppression uh, I think those of us with the privilege to know have a duty to act uh, and do think it's like, yeah, um, incumbent upon us or like it's our responsibility to be fighting against oppression. And especially when we're talking about literally trillions of animals being killed every year. Like, I mean, it's again, it's a one file followed by 12 zeros. If you can just think about how many individuals that is that's being killed for us to eat. It's it's really it's really horrific. Um So yeah, like back to what Jamie was saying originally about the importance of activism and and going back to the policy I want to be pushing, uh, that kind of change in society can't happen without activists. Like I think the culmination of activism is going to be a constitutional amendment. I want to see an amendment in the U.S. Constitution that's uh, mandating and uh, defending this right of animals, but that's not going to happen without really deep and inspired activism. So if you're listening to this, I imagine you're already plugged in and doing activism. Uh, if that's the case, like help convert more activists. Like what we, we don't nece- we don't need more vegans to be honest. And like, that's not true. Like we can always use more vegans, but that's not what's going to change thing. We need more animal rights activists. And so if you can get one friend, two friends, <laughs> a dozen friends to step up and start getting engaged and active that's how we're going to win this movement um so yeah you asked me about my activism Mm -hmm. and just kind of bouncing off of that i mean you have one person going vegan let's say with every one person that goes vegan you have thousands of babies that are born into this world that are raised into a carnist um i guess mindset i don't know even what you would call it but, you know, so it really is about getting active and, and standing up against these systems, the oppressive systems. Yeah, because honestly, like, all that being a vegan does is it creates, at, at the very, very best, it creates a demand for more vegan products. Uh, but I, that's, not, that's not what a, a, a future of liberation looks like. It's not like uh, Beyond Burgers or, like, or beyond, wait, what is it? Beyond Meat Burgers, um, Impossible Burgers. Mm. Like, that shit is great and, like, tasty, but that's not what liberation looks like. Um, you know, and so we're not... 2019, What more animals were killed in 2019 than any year in human history, right? And so we're going the wrong direction. 2018 was second, 2017 was third. And so every year we're killing more and more animals than we've ever killed on, in the planet's history. Uh, and us all, like, going and eating, like, a nice burger 
or like a nice like pizza that didn't involve any violence is like fucking important and good but it's that's not that's not the right track again what we need is people actively working to demand change shift public consciousness and get to the point where uh these kind of changes become inevitable and i think a lot of people think we're a lot farther off than we are um but we're a lot i think we're actually quite close um i mean it's all relative but uh almost a majority like nearly half of usans support banning slaughterhouses um a group called the sentience institute did a study uh, and they came up with that result uh, and animal ag was like that bullshit it's like some biased like animal rights propaganda they had the university of oklahoma conduct the same study and they got the exact same number uh and so roughly um, uh, roughly half it's like it's like 46 47 of usans support banning slaughterhouses right but clearly they're not they're, they're they don't they're they're still buying those products um and so that just shows you that where people's sentiments are where their hearts are it's not where the actions are and it's because it's hard for a lot of people to act it's like hard to to, to make those kind of changes and those of us who have made the changes like unfortunately we are a minority um and we don't we don't necessarily we don't need a majority of people to be vegans we need a majority of people to support veganism and there's a difference uh, and so us pushing activists can shift the social dialogue shift the the social narrative the zeitgeist and get us to the point where this kind of legislation is possible to be passed so what are some of the actions you've taken to create this shift yeah uh so and what were the consequences yeah so i guess on the things range right like things range from like me putting stickers on my bike as like the very basic minimum of or like wearing a shirt on the subway um to getting arrested on felony charges um for helping to rescue and save ducks from a slaughterhouse so activism runs the the, runs the gamut um i personally believe those kind of direct actions that are at slaughterhouses um or in other in other like places where you're you're risking your own freedom to save others is incredibly important and maybe we can do another like episode mm-hmm. explicating why I think civil disobedience or why I shouldn't say why I think why I know civil disobedience is an effective way to affect social change. Um, I guess in short, I, I believe um, like history has showed us that civil disobedience, which is basically breaking laws that we know to be unjust in peaceful ways. So using nonviolence to vehemently oppose laws that we know to be unjust is a foundational way to change those laws. So, I mean, when you look at the the Montgomery's like sit-ins and the bus boycotts of the civil rights era, um, individuals broke unjust segregation laws that now as a society, like we, I mean, I hope everyone listening to this knows is like, it's fucked up. Um, by breaking those laws, they sowed the seeds for that change. And the same thing happens in this context. So I guess I, I've been arrested three times. Um, and all my charges, I had not been charged with anything. Um, and it's because, like, a lot of times when, we, and, and that, like, to, be, to be clear, like, that's not always the case. Like, I have friends facing 40, 60 years in prison. Um, and, like, really serious things. I um, Friends that have been charged, like, tens of millions of dollars of damages. Um, and they're incredibly brave activists, right? But the majority of activists who are taking these kind of actions... Um, 
these charges to drop because it's awful press for a slaughterhouse for this industry. Like if if I were to get charged with like ten year like a ten year felony charge going to jail for rescuing baby ducks from a slaughter line, it's like when people see that shit it, that it it affects change. Um, so yeah, I guess when I say this stuff, it's not like I have the expectation that anyone's gonna be risking spending a decade of their life in prison for the movement. Like I don't I don't see that as necessary for anybody. I do think it's important for everybody in the movement to support activists who are doing that, right? Like, if you mm-hmm. see activists who are making that kind of personal sacrifice, like, to support them, um, because it plays an integral and important role in the movement. Uh, and if you're not there yet, that's, like, or ever there, it's, like, it's not someplace you need to go. We all, I mean, so I guess one quick little clarification. I have, like, a lot of privilege, right? Like, I'm a white, straight, cis dude. Um, and so me going to jail, going to prison getting arrested carries a lot less serious implications than other identities do. Um, like when I went, when I go to jail, like I've been to jail a few times, I'm not worried about like, am I going to leave alive? Uh, and other identities don't have that same type of privilege. So I say that in acknowledgement of we all have different roles to play in the movement. Um, and yours may or may not be getting arrested. Uh, but I do think it's incumbent upon us all to be active um, to never tolerate any, anybody else, <laughs> the, the, their dietary violence, uh, to speak out very clearly and directly uh, in support of animal liberation, uh, and to do whatever it is that you feel like you can at this moment to help the movement. You absolutely, you said it all. You literally said it all. I mean, there, we were even talking at dinner. We're like, there's so many topics we want to cover. And I really like hope that by hearing this, by hearing this from somebody that literally has put their own freedom, their own safety at risk, has been thrown in jail, okay, like for, you know, literally rescuing baby ducks. I mean, it's like insane. It's It's just so fucked up. I mean, guys, like, I really hope by you guys hearing this that this inspires you to get out there, to come out with us um, wherever you may be. Nico's next steps um, where he's going is Berkeley, California, where they are just taking incredible actions for animal rights out there. You want to talk a little bit about like some of the things you foresee in the next few months? Sure. Yeah. Before I get there, wherever you are, you can be an activist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I mean, I've done, all you need is one person to have, to have an action. Uh, and again, it can be as simple as talking to a stranger on the subway or on a bus or on the street about like your values uh, and mm-hmm. why it is you don't eat animals um, to bigger and bigger. But I mean, I've done, I've done activism in like it's a dozen countries and wherever you are in the world, wherever you are in the U.S., it doesn't matter. You can be an activist. It starts small uh, and can grow bigger, but never never allow violence to others to be normalized if you see racism if you see heterosexism um you name it like if you see that shit being played out um speciesism obviously call it out don't normalize it um so that's okay yeah we met a lady at dinner at a bar actually later (laughs) and she is now going vegan so she says she's a little drunk but she apparently um wants to donate money to the movement and 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 we were talking with her and she's looking for a purpose in life and she says she loves animals she she's found her purpose in life now talking with us yeah yeah so that's like a perfect example of just activism how you you know right then and there wherever you are Mm -hmm. like activism for me isn't something that like i say like all right 
Thursday night from five to six, I'm gonna be an activist, and then the other whatever like 171 hours or whatever it is in the week, I'm not gonna be an activist. It's I'm always an activist. In certain there are certain moments like going to a slaughterhouse, which are more um, like I guess accentuated. But again, every single thing I do in life, I'm like I'm a, like a living. We can all be a living, breathing like representations of the movement and yeah it was amazing like jamie just struck up a conversation with this lady at the bar um got her number we're gonna call her tomorrow and like hopefully she's gonna be like a vegan and like donating she says she's got cash she says she got cash you know this movement (laughs) can use that and so and so like again we can all be doing our our own role in different capacities uh, in terms of the movement moving forward, um, COVID has really thrown a lot of wrenches in things. Um, like here in New York, we had a really big action scheduled in April, uh, a big open rescue in open state New York. And we had one scheduled in uh, the beginning of July in Berkeley. And um, so things things have been changing, but but it's not... Um, it's postponed. Yeah, it's post- postponed, but we're not going anywhere. And we've been adapting. Uh, and so... I would. I think the the biggest thing for wherever you are, try to find community. If you're the only vegan you know in your city, and your town, um, convert one person, get a friend, uh, and more likely than not, like vegan like animal rights groups already exist where you live. Mm. Google them, find them on Facebook, start hanging out with people, and plug in. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think every every own every like locality's got their own their own dynamics going on yeah no matter where you guys are guys animals are fucking dying they are fighting for their lives like it doesn't you could be you know we could be in the midst of a pandemic and just take note that the only fucking businesses opened are slaughterhouses are literally slaughterhouses that caused the pandemic Mm -hmm. it's absurd so little things, guys, it goes a long way. And I think little things will help you build the confidence to work up to big actions, to, you know, disrupt celebrities, to get press, to, you know, chaining yourself to slaughterhouse lines, to, you know, whatever it may be. And this is, this might sound, you know, far-fetched for you right now, but guys, I'm telling you, like, I've only been vegan for about three years. And in the three years, the amount of just, I guess, passion that I've had for this movement, it only continues to grow and, and strengthen and 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 I just I, I I am so excited for where things are going and we know that in our lifetime like there are going to be massive changes already happening. Mm-hmm. So let's let's finish up this episode and we can start another one. Maybe we could talk about the um, yoga, whatever. Mm-hmm. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Nico, thank you for your wisdom. Yo, nice to chat with y'all. Uh, hope to meet everybody that hears this in person. Um, Pimp yourself out. What's your socials? <laughs> it's Nico Stubler, uh, N-I-C-O-S-T-U-B-L-E-R. Uh, and it's both on Instagram and Facebook. Hit me up. Send me a DM. Honestly, I'd be so fucking stoked to hear from y'all. Uh, and I know, like, yeah, come on out. Um, I'd love to meet you in person at action, uh, at a potluck, you name it. Uh, and let's, let's fucking win. Yeah, let's win. Let's win. Let's end it like that. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Bye. <laughs>